Welcome to Wholehearted Recovery, where we encourage practicing self-care through eating recovery in a disordered world. This podcast is about the journey through eating recovery. It is for informational and educational purposes only. It is not a substitute for treatment. If you feel that you need extra support, please seek the guidance of a trained professional. I'm your host, Rachel Mann. Joining me today are Christina Cowan, Amber DeGarmo, and Catherine Shore from Reedy River Counseling Associates. Thank you for being here, ladies. Today, we're going to be talking about New Year's resolutions. We finally get through the holidays, we get through Thanksgiving, we get through Christmas, and then all of a sudden, we're talking about New Year's. You feel like, okay, I survived the holidays, I got through it. Some people are saying, so what? It's New Year's, who cares? Big deal. Well, for a lot of people, it isn't a big deal, but for some of us, it is. Because at the beginning of the year, we start hearing people talking about how they want to lose weight. They want to get in shape. They want to join the gym. For those of us with eating disorders or exercise addictions, it can be really triggering, especially when, like you mentioned the other day, some of these things are things, yeah, I just want to go do that. And it's not really in my best interest to do it. It is a good time to evaluate where you are and set new goals. But I think you have to be careful to be fair to yourself in doing both of those things. And you also have to be careful about who is setting those goals. Is it you? Is it your eating disorder? Is it the society and diet culture? First, let's talk about combating the talk that we hear about the diet exercise focused resolution. So Amber, let's start with you. What suggestions do you have in getting through those few weeks of everyone talking about that? Yeah, absolutely. Deep breaths. <laughs> Go on a vacation. Don't check social media. Right? Oh, take some deep breaths. It's really, really hard. But unlike people who are disordered, most people that are not disordered are only going to be having these conversations for a few weeks, up to a few months. It's not going to last forever. But the time that you are living in it is extremely, extremely difficult. So build some time in for yourself. Make sure that you are getting time every day to recoup. More than likely, if you are working a traditional like nine to five or whatever eight hours that you work, you're going to be hearing about it a lot while you're at work. You're going to be hearing about it a lot when you're with friends and a lot when you're with family and it's going to feel like you don't get a break from it. Recovery is not for the faint of heart. It is very, very difficult. So, We talked around the holiday episode about, you know, rehearsing some statements, practicing those type things. I also think that it's important to do that in this context as well. So when that coworker is saying like, oh, gotta go to the gym after I get off work, gotta burn off these calories or whatever it is that they're saying, have a response to that, that you know, this is what I'm going to say when that comment comes up. Otherwise, the comment can take you off guard, and it might take you off guard anyways, but I feel like, you know, if you're in a school or a work setting, we have fire drills, we have all of these things so that when the disaster happens, we know how to handle it. I feel like it should be the same in this situation. So when they make that comment that you can say something along the lines of, oh, okay, Glad that that's good for you. That's not something I'm able to do right now. Or if you don't want to share about your own personal information or get into that at all, you can turn it into a joke. You can make an offhanded comment. Or you can say, not something I'm interested in right now or whatever. But just know what it is that you're going to say. 
Good suggestions. I know for me, I would get caught in the teacher's lounge and everybody's in there eating lunch. And that's especially at lunchtime. That's what the talk would turn to. And I have a friend who knew what I was going through. So sometimes we're all talking and I'm texting her. I'm like, man, this is really triggering. Yeah. And, you know, she would text me back. And there are times I just had to get up and go to my room yeah. my, because I just couldn't deal with that conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. But I do think having someone that knows what you're going through that can be like your net out there that you can say mm-hmm. like, hey, this is what's happening. I need some encouragement or I just need a vent or whatever it is can really help. Or help change the subject. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Someone on your team. And we talked about this with holiday stuff. In your preparation, make room for this, like in your spirit and in your emotional kind of abilities like expect that you're going to hear it and you're going to interact with it you know it's almost like you already build a little bit of like resilience there knowing that it's going to be coming in whereas if you're already filled up or like not in a place you know what I mean where it caught you off guard or whatever then it can overflow your cup but if you're you know what I mean you got yourself at a place where you're expecting to hear it like that can make a difference yeah and sometimes like Amber was saying, we don't, we might not have an outward verbal response, but we should also practice an internal response. Mm-hmm. Like we might not want to share or, I don't know, maybe we're just not in a place to challenge what is actually being said outwardly, but we still need to challenge it in our minds I and be prepared for that. <laughs> yes, because... I mean, some of the issues I wrote down for this particular thing is stuff like the diet and exercise talk, and everyone around you is talking about it, their new diet, they're joining the gym, comments like, or even you say it to yourself, this is the year I'm going to do it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times those goals or resolutions or whatever are very unrealistic and unattainable, but we still expect ourselves to do it. I mean... Like you talked about, you know, a lot of people after a couple of weeks, they're done with the conversation and they've moved on and they've forgotten about those resolutions. But, you know, for me, being a perfectionist, if I set that goal, then that's what I'm trying to do this year. And I'm going to knock myself out trying to do it. And then if that doesn't happen, well, that means I'm a failure, right? And it doesn't matter how unreasonable that goal was. And I know that's not true now. I'm just saying that's where I was. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's some of the problem with being really, you know, rigid. We talk about that characteristic plot when it comes to eating disorders with even like, obviously there's nothing wrong with setting goals or resolutions, but the rigidity around it, like that now I have to do it perfectly. You know, and what are your motivations behind that? As we always talk about too, like, are you trying to, do this for other people or that kind of thing or is it truly an intrinsic thing where that can get complicated with your eating disorder but a lot of times that can be a good differentiating factor as far as like perfectionism and stuff perfectionism always fails you because inevitably you're not going to live up to it you mean there's another way to do things (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's a good point talking about the perfectionism within the goals so for me before i started working with christine and Catherine. My goals were always about losing weight, getting in shape, how much I was going to work out. And yes, I put down numbers and that was my plan to get it done, no matter how unreasonable those numbers were. So the last couple of years, Christina and I have worked on setting more recovery focused goals. So I think that, you know, that would be something to think about if, if you're looking to set resolutions is I don't have to do it perfectly, but also let's change the perspective. For me, that has been thinking about, okay, what are the things that will help me 
stay on track for recovery, like following meal plan, staying within exercise limits, or exploring interests outside of exercise. <laughs> and that was difficult to do. But then I also found things that I really enjoyed, and it made me realize how one-dimensional I was being before that. Right. Love that. One dimension. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, not living your fullest life. Yeah. So, Christina, since we have worked on that song, what are some of the things you and I have talked about or that you suggest in that area? Sure. Well, I often suggest, I mean, people don't have to do this, but just not even using, first of all, not even using the word resolution because I feel like there is such a, just a, can be a negative tie to that word, um, a perfectionistic kind of tie like you have talked about, and maybe, you know, using something, and I know these are basically just synonyms, but still there's less of that association, just like goals or intentions or, you know, or like a vision board, you know, like those like types of things instead of the word resolution. And big picture, focus on things that are just not physically related. Because I feel like most New Year's resolutions are what? Diet, weight loss, exercise. So all physical, (laughs) but we seem to forget that we are more than one dimensional (laughs) and that we have a spiritual aspect, a mental aspect, an emotional aspect. And I also like to ask my clients if they really do even want to like write down goals or intentions for the following year to, to like categorize them like mm-hmm. that, just to make sure that you're going at it holistically versus just the physical. Now I'm not saying you can't do physical goals, but then I feel like that that needs to be really well thought through (laughs) Um, with your treatment team. But I'm just going to just literally rattle off some ideas Mm -hmm. just to give people an idea of kind of what I'm talking about. So cultivating more self-compassion. And there is a, I can't remember if she's a therapist too, but I know she's she's a researcher on self-compassion, Kristen Neff. And She's got an incredible book, an incredible website. It's really cool. So I highly recommend checking that out. Goals around self-care, as silly as it might sound, things like bubble baths, (laughs) massages, reading more books for fun. I even, like, you know, some people understandably avoid getting their yearly physical. So maybe it's like... Maybe that could fall under a different goal in the physical health realm. Reevaluating your values, setting boundaries, giving back to others, to the community, begin a gratitude practice like a journal or a jar, like where you write something down every day that you're grateful for. Or just some writing period sometimes. So true. So true. Absolutely. Just journaling, just getting your thoughts out. Let's see, trying something new, something even out of your comfort zone. You referenced that. Yes. Trying something new that wasn't exercise related. So that could be like an art class, a cooking class, meditation, you know, just something like that. Or even if it is physically related, maybe you try something that you've never done. Like... I don't know, if I have a client who likes yoga or something, I'll be like, 
maybe aerial yoga, <laughs> like, you know, just something with a spin on it, you know, just a yeah. little different. Well, and when you were mentioning like some of the art related ones, uh-huh. I know for me doing pottery was, it, it was kind of unique because it was art, but there was a little bit of that physical aspect. Sure. Yeah, and sure. so I, a I result think, yes. at the end. Well, yeah. that too. Yes. Satisfying in that <laughs> yes. way that you're still like appeasing that kind of side mm-hmm. of you. you know? Absolutely. Like, what's yeah. that? psychology thing where it's like football <laughs> players you know if they are aggressive in nature it's a good idea to do something like play football because you're getting it out in a way that's acceptable there's mm-hmm. some word for that you know constructive maybe <laughs> <laughs> but you know what yes, i mean like if yes. you're a controlling person you might not i mean that's a trait you know but how can mm-hmm. you pour that into your life in a way yeah. that's not destructive mm-hmm. so yeah well and even setting a goal that challenges your eating disorder or exercise addiction, such as mm-hmm. taking a week off every quarter. Yeah. Mm, that's a difficult one. Yeah. Like a yeah. pre-planned <laughs> time off rest yes. from body movement. That you stick to no matter what. Yeah, yeah absolutely. No matter what. Yeah. No matter if it's been like a tough, like a busy month or something, and it's like, well, like I haven't been able to move in the way that I normally do, like you still stick to that intention that you set if over exercise, compulsive exercise is a struggle. And I think that's really hard in the condition that you just said when you're you have a busy week, month, semester, and then now I'm supposed to take a week off again. I just Mm -hmm. I just had two weeks that I had time to do nothing or virtually nothing. And you want me to take a week off just because it was scheduled. Love that. It's funny how we'll be committed to goals. Yeah. <laughs> but then when they don't work for us, we're like, ah. <laughs> well, And I think if you've been struggling with an eating disorder, so last episode we were talking about, you know, the idea of the harm avoidant, like characteristics and things like that of a person who develops an eating disorder. And so I think like, If you're struggling this new year, maybe some goals or some things to think about is like taking some time off from being people pleasing, like setting those boundaries of like one day a week, I'm straight self care. I turn my phone off or if someone asks me to do something on this day, I say no, like Mondays or Saturdays, like those days are reserved for me. What's that little word you just said? (laughs) (laughs) That self care word? No, the, the, the no, word. no, the no word. It's it's hard short to one. Say no, it is. It's hard sometimes. Oh yes. Yeah, and that's why we have to practice it because anything mm-hmm. that's difficult to do, sometimes we have to do it just to do it because we're not going to do it naturally, absolutely, or purposefully allowing ourselves not to be perfectionistic when we notice that there's something that we want to do or want to fix or want to focus on more than it probably needs, choosing to step away and let it be what it is. You're asking a lot, you know. (laughs) (laughs) I know. (laughs) It is hard. Some some more eating disorder recovery specific things that I'll talk to clients about might be, again, these are just suggestions, getting rid of any type of photos or clothes that could be motivating you towards past behaviors or past ways of thinking. Maybe it could be 
committing to regular appointments with your clinicians, if that's like a thing, like if you're still in that phase, or if you just feel like you haven't really been going enough or going regularly, consistently. So maybe just kind of like recommitting to that. Reconnecting with family and friends. Because, you know, the eating disorder can cause us to isolate and it can cause us to focus on other things. And just as a result, sometimes relationships can kind of drift apart or even completely just, you know, sever, even like unintentionally. And so it can never hurt to get a really big support system. So might look into reconnecting with some family and friends. And then specifically with body movement, so switching to a focus of more mindful, intuitive movement. And one thing that I like to always read my clients is from Jenny Schaefer's book, Almost Anorexic. She has like a bullet point definition of what intuitive exercise means. And honestly, I couldn't say it any better myself, so I'm just going to read it verbatim. Okay. Okay. So intuitive exercise means your exercise routine is flexible. You do a variety of activities that are driven by how your body feels, not by rules. The why behind your exercise is not entirely about controlling your weight. You exercise for a variety of reasons, including having fun, socializing, and maintaining good health. Missing an exercise opportunity does not influence your mood in a negative way. Exercise is not a chore. When you are active, you select activities that you enjoy. You want to. There is no have to in regard to when and how much you exercise. You account for unstructured or lifestyle physical activity when planning around structured exercise. So that could be like you know, doing yard work for hours counts. <laughs> Do cleaning your house counts, <laughs> you know. And but a lot of times when our eating disorder and the rules, it's like, well, if you're not in the gym or if you're not doing the structured thing that you usually do, then it doesn't count. You sure about that one? <laughs> <laughs> and then lastly, one that's very important to me as the dietitian, you eat enough food to adequately fuel your level of physical activity. I think I might need to go reread that book. <laughs> I just love it. That's why yeah. I just read it verbatim. Yeah. And, and let's go back to that clothes thing for a second. Like okay. putting yes. those clothes away. I mean, that could be putting them in a box, putting them away. It doesn't actually have to be like a bonfire, right? <laughs> well, sometimes we have to take baby steps before we get to the bonfire. Someone or, may have suggested that. <laughs> or the, giving them to, like, donating them or something. Yeah. It might, yes, be actually just pulling them out of the drawers yeah. or the closet yeah. and putting them in a box. And Maybe. not reopening it. Yep, that could be step mm-hmm. number one. <laughs> I do recommend, though, if you do choose to donate them or give them away, do not donate them to people that you know. That can be very triggering. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. I about yeah. Sure. Why? Yes. Yes. Because I actually had a client, Amber, not too long ago tell me that that happened. Yeah. And she was like, Oh, like, why does she get to wear my clothes? Yeah. Like, why does she get to fit That's into weird. them? And then it got weird. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, that can be very triggering. Yes. And very good piece of advice. Yeah. And yeah, like it doesn't have to be like this like a big bonfire thing and of course that may not be where we start, but I actually do think bonfires are really therapeutic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or or cutting them up or turning right. them into artwork or whatever yeah. it is. I think that our eating disorders can live in those items and if they're hanging out in our closet we know our eating disorder knows they're still there even if they're put up yeah well and i was joking with christine on that because she knows my my brother and sister have both suggested that for the clothes that i'm referring to and i don't know that i'm quite there yet but i do think about the therapeutic end of that that you oh, just yeah. suggested mm-hmm. it's the perfect time of year it's cold yeah. <laughs> it's the perfect time like we need a fire oh. <laughs> <laughs> moving on <laughs> okay so let's talk about how can you set some goals. And I think what one of you mentioned, I don't remember who said it, but if you know, if you are in treatment, working with your treatment team, I think would be a very good idea. One thing I wanted to point out was, I think you mentioned, Christina, compassion. Or, yeah, self-compassion. Yeah, self-compassion. And I think that's important when you start to set these goals. So, Catherine, what suggestions do you have on setting some goals? Yeah, so I have this sheet that, I mean, it's just a value sheet in general, and it sounds simple, but I think it's helpful in the way that you kind of formulate goals. So it has you think through your values, and there's that whole, you know, kind of project of figuring out values, and then you kind of pick your top three, and then you formulate some objectives based off of those. And I love the idea of setting goals based off of your values. So I love thinking about things through that, because you're not going to find your eating disorder on that sheet of paper. If it's coming from you, (laughs) you know what I mean? So I love the idea of that. And I like the idea of, do you even have to participate in setting like goals or, you know, quote unquote resolutions? Like maybe this is a year where that just gets weird for you. (laughs) Where like, it's too tempting. You feel like you're going to make your kind of physical movement one into something that, you know, really it shouldn't be. So I think it's okay to say like, maybe I'm okay with what I'm working on right now. And like, just because everyone mm-hmm. else is, you know, setting things. I don't know. I think there's mm-hmm. something to say for that. And I also kind of like the idea of that practice of like, maybe in some ways I'm okay how I am and what I'm working on like right now, which is a goal in itself. <laughs> I guess well, kind of, you make a good point. I mean, if you're already in treatment, then you are definitely already yeah, working on goals. Like maybe it would be overwhelming. And I did want to go back to, as well, thinking through, like, say you get to December, you know, 2019, and you didn't accomplish any of these quote-unquote goals or resolutions, will you be okay? And the answer should be yes. Yeah, that one's hard, too. Yeah, so if you're thinking about them, and you're thinking through them, and you feel like, I'm not going to be okay if this doesn't happen, it's probably not appropriate. I remember last year, Christina asked me to write a reflection on the goals that we had worked on the year before, Mm -hmm. and I just wrote what I thought, you know, well, this didn't happen, and, and she said you're being really harsh and it just didn't even occur to me yeah like I love the idea of grace within those so like Mm -hmm. setting them with the expectation that they won't probably pan out in that way not that they might not end up looking like something you know what I mean like if you said you wanted to try a new yoga class but you end up trying something else new it's like that's essence of it so Mm -hmm. practicing your flexibility within setting your goals and setting them up to be flexible as well like you know, I want to do this a couple of times a month instead of like every day, you know, like not being so rigid around maybe things like that. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think, I think it helps at least for, for me, I want something that's challenging, but yeah. learning to set those attainable goals. Yeah. Small. Not unreasonable. Yeah. yeah I'm going to work out 
five times a week, right. six times a week, seven, <laughs> right. nine, whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, and then feel bad about yourself if you can't meet them. Yeah. Right. So finding something that's attainable. What about in line with recovery? I mean, that's kind of what we're talking about, yeah. but. Like, do they line up with my balance? Yeah. What's yeah. the motivation thing? And I think that's something you talk through with your treatment team. You know, like, this mm-hmm. is something, especially if it's like exercise related. I think you're really going to have to ask some good questions and you might even start off doing something and it's something that you're working on in therapy where you keep checking in like, okay, what were your thoughts when you did this? How did you feel when you weren't able to do it to see if it's an appropriate goal? Right. Like accountability is going to be huge, whether it's a professional that's helping you stay accountable to make sure that your more, you know, innocent, non-disordered goals don't skew Mm -hmm. into disordered ones and having someone that's uh, not a professional be able to hold you accountable too. Yeah. I, I think having a friend who's a good accountability Absolutely. partner definitely helps with that. Mm-hmm. I think one thing, like you were talking about being flexible, Christina, you and I have talked about some of these things, they may just be like a process. It may not happen right. each week Which or whatever. It's goal, just a process really. yeah. of doing it a little more, getting yeah, it in like a little more. It's not like an end goal. It's kind of just right. like, this is my life and this is what I value. It's more time for this. Yeah. Yeah. And like the perfectionism thing too. I think going back to that as far as like motivations and stuff, if you're ever like setting a goal because you want to feel approved by people or to increase mm-hmm. like your worthiness. I mean, I think there's a little bit of a debate for like self-esteem kind of mm-hmm. you can see where that's something that could be talked about, even though I think that, you know, self-esteem, self-compassion, that's whole that's a whole thing. Not feeling good about yourself just because you do good things. But if you're doing things because you think it's going to make people like you more and Probably a red flag for setting your goals. Right. Yeah. Well, and I think you, one of you may have mentioned working on that connection part because, especially with the exercise or the eating disorder, I I think you tend to isolate yourself. Mm -hmm. And so maybe making that a goal to work on that connection and bring it back to maybe what it used to be or what it could be and it's not right now right oh absolutely i think social goals can be so important in recovery of Mm -hmm. like who am i really connecting with and being vulnerable with and open with throughout the week and when am i withdrawing or pushing people out well and even like i was thinking about like i would go to karate every saturday morning and my brother used to ask me to go have breakfast with him and once in a while I would, but most of the time I wouldn't. I've got to go to karate. I can't eat a big breakfast before I go to karate because that would not be pretty. <laughs> and so he kind of quit asking because yeah, I was never point. going. So then it's like, okay, how do you reestablish that? You know, you feel like you should try to get that back, but can you? I mean, I think you can, but yeah, yeah. I think it that's a hard work. step yeah. sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Or you feel like maybe they've given up on right. Yeah. that. In my blog last year when I was writing about goals, one thing that I wrote is to think about set goals that feed your soul and not your eating disorder. Absolutely. And I think thinking about it that way made a difference for me. Yeah. You really have that desire to kind of, those tendencies are still there. But like you were saying, Amber, you can choose to not listen or to make other choices. To allow other things to matter more than the eating disorder. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's one thing, um, blog post I just wrote about triathlon I did this summer. I was talking about how in 
Catherine, you mentioned values. We have our values and we have our priorities, and they seem like the same thing, but they're really not. I mean, our values is what we truly care about, but our priorities are the things we spend time on on a daily basis. And sometimes we let those priorities get in the way of our values. So how do we check that? How do we keep from letting that happen? Because you have to go back. You have to revisit your values. I think that a lot of things are like at the heart of it. We know, but we get caught up in life. You mm-hmm. know, like what we talked about last time. I think just like eating the shorter truths and podcasts, coming back to people that you know speak truth to you. I think he. Yeah. I mean, I like we did a Christina did a workbook thing last year that <laughs> helped us with our values. Obviously, I've been doing it. Um, but just like getting that out, you know, every day or a couple of times a week to say like, what is it that I really care about in my life today? Because you just get so caught up. Right. And one of the things that I like that I got out of that was, and this is self-accountability, was a quarterly goal intention, they call it like a refresh, where you just sit down quarterly and assess the, you know, the goals that you had made. And ask yourself, not just how am I doing, but do I even want this to be a goal anymore? Like yeah, That's a good idea. You know, on January 1, we don't have to keep it exactly <laughs> the same for 365 days. Right, right. You know, like, yeah. oh, like, or maybe you accomplished it. Or you know what I mean? Or maybe yeah. just you're in a different season of mm-hmm. your life and you just need to reevaluate it. That's okay. And so kind of actually setting a goal for the goals to maybe sit down quarterly and just reassess. Well, I think that's a good idea. And I think like you and I have talked about with taking that week off of exercise, you, you should set a date for that because otherwise you're not going to do it. Yeah. yeah. We'll think, oh, I'll do it sometime in yeah. April. Or you'll just innocently forget about it. Yeah, yeah you know? exactly. Carving out mm-hmm. time to think about mm-hmm. time. Maybe even having dates that you put in the calendar, reminders on your mm-hmm. phone that say like, reevaluate on this day like is this still working do i still want to do this i think that's a good idea so anything you would like to add for resolutions goal setting sometimes that's one of the hardest things to do. <laughs> yeah i mean i think it's important to remember that when you look at the traditional new year's resolutions that are diet exercise body focus if you think about it they're all generally designed to make us smaller physically smaller eat less so smaller like Mm -hmm. you know and just that you're just not making your physical self smaller you're making your world smaller and that that probably if i had to guess (laughs) wouldn't align with people's values if they did it through a values work lens Mm -hmm. goals and just society making smaller and smaller and smaller (laughs) and I don't mean just physically right (laughs) yeah so just kind of also looking at it that way of like what like I want to get smaller and again I'm not talking about just physically like your voice is smaller you know like and asserting yourself I mean go on and on and on yeah and you know just not wanting to be falling into the societal oppression (laughs) of that and just kind yeah. of looking at it differently. Well, and then speaking sorry. truth. <laughs> <laughs> and that made me think about uh, one thing you and I talked about too. You said to me one day, when you restrict the food, you restrict your life. And that was mm-hmm. kind of powerful to think about. That right. may be even a good podcast at one point, you know, because that's so true. Because when we restrict the food, we are restricting a lot of connection because that happens around food a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. 
Anything else? Y'all can do it. We believe in you. <laughs> well, thank you all again for participating and Happy New Year. Happy, Happy New, Year. New Year. Thank you for joining us today. I hope that we have given you a new perspective on what New Year's resolutions and goal setting can look like. Have a wonderful New Year. Come back and visit with us again. Next time we will be talking about eating disorders in general and have an overview of all different types of eating disorders. Remember, this podcast is for educational and informational purposes only. It's not a substitute for treatment. If you feel that you need extra support, please seek the guidance of a trained professional. Also check out our website at www.wholeheartedrecovery.podbean.com for some links to other resources.